If you don't already stop at least a couple times a day and ask yourself, what do I need right now? That could be a really potent practice going forward. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Brody Welch. Today, we're going to talk about Chinese medicine as well as the connection between self-care and self-respect. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today I have on for a guest, Brody Welsh. She's a licensed acupuncturist, board-certified herbalist, and self-care strategist. Brody helps self-aware, high-achieving women break the cycle of stress, overwhelm, and self-sabotage so they can enjoy the lives they're working so hard to create and truly embody self-respect. Working at the confluence of wellness and personal development, she has helped thousands of clients optimize their weight, digestion, hormones, sleep, mood, and vitality. A lifelong student of consciousness, Brody has been practicing meditation, yoga, qigong, I hope I pronounced that right, <laughs> for over 20 years and holds teaching certifications in each of these disciplines. She synthesizes ancient techniques from Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and yoga with the latest research in neuroscience, functional medicine, and habit change to help her clients thrive. Her holistic self-care boot camp program, Level Up Your Life, helps women bridge the gap between what they know they should be doing to take care of themselves and actually doing it without feeling guilty. She's the founder of Life and Balance Acupuncture in Corvallis, Oregon, where she has been treating patients since 2003. She's also the creator and host of A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world. Learn more at BrodyWelsh.com. So welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. I first met you years ago when you had me on your podcast when I was launching my book. Your podcast has been very successful. So you have several more episodes than me. So I'm honored to have you on my show here and hear more about what you do. So which really is Chinese medicine. So let's start off with your philosophy and how you got into studying Chinese medicine. Really, what's your story? And when we'll, we'll talk about what Chinese medicine is. Sure. Well, I thought growing up, I was really obsessed with social justice and environmentalism. And I really thought that I was going to change the world with a capital C and be like an activist or a civil rights lawyer or something like that. And as I was striking out in the field, realizing that like, wow, if I, if this is what I do for a living, I'm, I'm going to be miserable to be like stirring up conflict and, yeah, and, and yeah. that kind of thing all the time. And I, and yet it was the only thing I could imagine doing. And so, so for, while I was figuring out kind of the what's next, I went to massage therapy school and while working and, and then fell in love with Chinese medical theory in a shiatsu class. So there's this, um, there, basically shiatsu is body work that uses the same philosophy that Chinese medicine acupuncture is rooted in. And when I learned about yin and yang, about the five elements, about the body as an ecosystem, all of that really resonated with me at such a deep level. And I realized that that was going to be my next step. And so it was one of those like, okay, I just, this is a way that I get to actualize the values of being able to do something helpful for people while at the same time living a life that was going to be fulfilling for me. So instead of dealing with conflict, after reading your bio, it sounds like you're now helping women, regardless of what conflict is happening in the world, <laughs> take care of themselves, prioritize self-care, yeah. which we're going to we're gonna get into. Absolutely. Yes. So let's go back to Chinese medicine for a moment. So what exactly is the Chinese medical philosophy or view of health? What is that? Because we haven't, we talk a lot about functional medicine on this podcast. We talk a lot about mindset, but what is Chinese medicine? 
Well, Chinese medicine is a complete system of healthcare that originated in China, and its branches are acupuncture, herbology, lifestyle and diet, exercise. Some would even include meditation and feng shui and body work as like basically all these different ways, all these different branches of the medicine that all work to restore the body to homeostatic balance, essentially. So it, it encompasses, it's a body, mind, spirit based medicine, because really, if you think about what this medicine is rooted in, it's originated with Taoists looking out at nature and, and realizing that like, Hey, if it's out there, it's in here. If it's existing in, in the natural cycles that really everything in nature goes through a cycle of birth, growth, maturity, decline, and death. Everything, you know, kind of goes through this cycle and that life is made up of a balance of these two forces in the world, right? The forces of yin and yang. And so we need a balance of that, which is warm and active and transforming and protective and versus that's the yang aspect and the yin aspect, that which is stillness and cooling and calming and grounding and nourishing. And so basically the idea is that we create balance in the body. That instead of thinking of, of the body as a machine, we think about the body as this interconnected ecosystem. And that when, if someone is wanting to be treated for a symptom, let's say a digestive issue or a, a sleep issue or a hormonal issue, that we're not going to look at that much like in functional medicine, we're not going to look at that in a silo we're going to look at it in the context of everything else that's going on in that person's body and tie it together so that we can kind of name this underlying pattern of disharmony, which is like at the root of whatever branch is manifesting. So like the branches would be all the different kinds of symptoms and the systems that we think about in the body from a Chinese medicine perspective are, we can think about the heart or the liver or the lungs or the kidneys and the energy, there's going to be like liver yin and yang. There's going to be heart yin and yang. There's going to be chi and blood. There's there's these ways of thinking about the different systems of the body so that when a symptom shows up, we can assess it through this, through this other lens and be able to tie seemingly unrelated symptoms together. So for example, you know, that every emotion, every sense organ, every color, every, like that all of these things are related to internal organs. And so it's the kind of thing where we might be able to make connections that really, if someone was just looking at their bodies through a Western lens, that none of these things would necessarily make sense in a way that they do to a Chinese medicine practitioner. And then there's all these different ways that we use to restore balance to the body. And, you know, acupuncture is probably the sexiest branch, but Chinese medicine at its core is really applied philosophy because you can make a choice every day to live in a more yin way or a more yang way. What was, what was the calming one? Was that the yang or what, yang? Yin. What was the, yin. I need more of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most people do, you know, like, and actually this is, this is one of my favorite things to talk about is just that if we need a balance of both, right, we know that we know that we can't have good energy unless we have good rest, right? Mm -hmm. But yet our culture fetishizes the busy, the active, the moving, the, 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 the productivity. The woman that can do everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like this, and that's all yang energy. And if we're sort of celebrating this idea of yang all the time, it's like saying that it should be daytime all the time, or that it should be summer all the time, that it should be hot all the time, right? That we can't actually, nothing in nature works that way, right? Like we go through cycles of day and night and they're balanced. It's not day for three days in a row and then night. So it's the idea that if it's out there, it's in here, that we, that we should be looking to nature to model what is healthy in an individual. 
That's so interesting. This may sound tangential, (laughs) but I have a a 20-month-old son and I read books to him, obviously, at night. And a lot of his books have bears in them or or nature in general. Like I live in Iowa. I don't have the nature that you have necessarily (laughs) living in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest. But I think of some of his books about like bears hibernating. And that sounds so silly. But literally in nature, we find animals that sleep not half their life, but they literally have to (laughs) have to do that. That's how they were created. And I think we have so much less rest incorporated, planned, (laughs) literally. I mean, I I have to schedule my rest time into my (laughs) life. We have so much less than we see in nature. And so just your words are making me kind of reflect back on that and and how important it is. Animals rest a lot more than we do. We need to do the same thing. (laughs) Absolutely. And everything in nature rests, right? You know, like that winter, we go through a season of dormancy where like nothing's growing, nothing is, nothing's really active or moving. It's a quiet space. And so like being able to go into that season of being reflective, being introspective, spending more time with ourselves, spending more time alone, spending more time with, uh, without external distractions. That is what winter is about. It's hibernating season in, yeah, in a lot yeah. of ways. And that if we don't do that, like, then it's one of those things like there has to be a flow, right? A yin and a yang flow. We can't be overextended all the time or we're going to burn out. Burn out. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. uh, so it really is like Chinese medicine, I think is a really great model for avoiding burnout and preserving our energy throughout our entire health span. Well, let's talk more about that. But I actually want to go back to just Chinese medicine in general and how it contributes to the conversation on longevity. You've alluded to that a little bit, but do you want to speak any further to longevity? Sure. (laughs) So like if we're refracting light through a prism, we can see all the colors. And so if we're talking about energy, if we're talking about like what it takes to make health, what it takes to do things, in Chinese medicine, the word is qi, right? Which gets translated as as energy or life force. And really we can think about like the stuff of who we are is like very dense qi, like matter and energy are the same thing we know from Einstein's equation. And like the functions of who we are, the processes that are going on and the space between the atoms and molecules, right? That we're mostly empty space. We are mostly empty space. We're basically an energetic field with some matter involved. So this whole energetic field that extends beyond our bodies, all of the thoughts we're thinking, all of the processes happening, all of the stuff of who we are, that that which is tangible, that's all made of chi. <laughs> but it gets difficult to talk about it when it's all one word. So we subdivide it into different things. And so if we were to think about in Chinese medicine, there's the consciousness, there's the energy of daily life, and there's this special kind of energy that is like our reserves that we're kind of endowed with when we come into the world. And it's like the sands in our hourglass. And once it's done, our time is up. And so ideally, how we preserve our energy and our health, like that basically the the stuff that I'm referring to is called Jing, that we start to dip into the Jing when we are doing too much, when we're not able to replenish our bodies and to recover from the stresses of life that's when we start dipping into this well, this reserve energy. And that's what ages us. That's one thing that potentially ages us is simply outpacing what we're able to put back, how we nourish ourselves in our daily lives, how, where does energy come from? It comes from the air we breathe, the food that we eat and the positive digestion of our life experience. So if you're not eating a particularly nutritious diet, if you're not breathing yourself well, right, with exercise, with movement, then it's likely you're not going to be producing a good amount of chi and blood. And so your body's going to have to dip into its reserves. 
it's one of those things where paying attention to, and there's a whole branch in Chinese medicine that's that's all about nourishing life, right? That it's not just like health isn't just the absence of disease, right? It's nourishing our vitality. And also it's living in accordance with who we really are. You know, there's this consciousness dimension of things. And so making sure that, that we are in alignment, right? That we are living in energy integrity and not dipping into that principle in our bank account just living off the interest is where we're supposed to be. And we're doing our purpose, right? If we're living in accordance with this gift that we came in with, that would be much more in line with the Chinese medicine view of health. Well said. So you've talked a bit about this kind of yang addiction. We've alluded to to that with our in the yeah. past few minutes. So what does this do to our health? And how do we break that cycle? How do we break that yang addiction? How do we know if we're yang addicted? I'm pretty sure I have been throughout my life. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. Like, do you feel guilty if you were to maybe sit down in the middle of the day and like do something as decadent as like, I don't know, read a book? Well, during the workday, you bet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I got patients horrifying. waiting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so this idea of you might be young addicted if you feel guilty for taking a break when you're tired, if you feel like your worth is tied up in how much you produce every day and not the aspect of your being that just radiates from you intrinsically. If you value what you're doing more than your actual presence, which so much in our society is about what you can do what you can accomplish, the external, the what it looks like on the surface rather than what it feels like internally. If we are trying to speed things up, if you're living your life in a way that feels exhausting and overwhelming and feels like too fast and like you can't slow down, that is a young addicted mindset because we all know, right? We all know that you can't do your best work if you haven't gotten good sleep. We all know how important it is is to exercise and eat right and manage stress. But a lot of times kind of like where the rubber meets the road, if, if you've got a deadline versus, yeah, but my shoulders hurt and I really want to just stand up and massage them or stretch them. Anytime we're buying into the notion that what we can produce, what we can accomplish is more important than how we feel and how like what it's like to be embodied, then we are valuing yang over yin in a way that is unsustainable, right? Because our bodies are the vehicles that allow us to do the things and we need to take care of them as such. So the idea that like we all know in exaggeration that it's doesn't work to get two hours of sleep a night, that you're, something's eventually going to break. But a lot of times we miss it if it's just like, oh yeah, well, I don't really need to work out today. I don't really need to, you know, like it's fine for me to just like shove down a bagel while I'm, you know, standing over the sink instead of like sitting down and making myself something that feels more nourishing, right? That these are, these are choices that a lot of us make all the time in service of the doing rather than the being. And also frankly, using our bodies to prop up our heads. That would be an example of yin and yang, right? If, if thoughts are more yang relative to yin, which is the more substantial part of who we are, like then certainly identifying with the mind and what it can do as a, at the expense of the body is another form of yang addiction. So it's really, it's a mindset that keeps us in, and it's a mindset that permeates Western culture, right? That this is, it's all around. So even if you think to yourself like, oh, but those aren't my values, it's still very difficult to opt out and to actually really live that way. I know that like I coach people on this all the time and I still have 
trouble with really justifying the things that I know I need to do to take care of myself because it doesn't feel safe, right? It does. It feels like, oh, someone's going to judge me for being lazy or somebody's going to judge me for being selfish. And that's a thought form that can be really hard to disentangle from. So what practices do you recommend to get us out of this addiction? Because we can't just tomorrow wake up and <laughs> I mean, addictions are, they're addictions, right? They're hard to break. So how do yeah. we, what practices do you recommend to start breaking that addiction? Well, I think a lot of it is from a mindset perspective, this is, this is where it's helpful to, to work with someone who is familiar with the survival strategies, what we do to get through the world where we feel like we're safe. And a lot of times like these strategies can be people pleasing or perfectionist or overwork, you know, or hiding really, you know, like there can be all sorts of survival strategies that once we see that that's what the ego needs in order to get through the world, when we can see that all it is, right, all that all of the stress in our life is coming from is it's like, it's not a threat to our actual survival. It's a threat to who we think we are and who we think we need to be. So young addiction a lot of times it comes out of a, if I do it all, if I overwork, if I overserve then other people will be happy with me and I'll be okay, right? So recognizing that that's not actually true and being able to see it and root it out so that we're not living from that space takes mindfulness, it takes awareness, and it takes, it usually takes a way of really embodying that kind of self-respect so that it's not just like, oh yeah, I know I should, but it's living from that place of like, oh yeah, I honor myself enough to, to not ignore what my body's telling me. And so for me, it's like, I encourage my clients to work on essential habits of self-respect, right? And those essential habits are not rocket science. They're really basic, but they're things like making sure you are making time for your joy, making sure you're making time for rest, making sure you are nourishing yourself, making sure you're taking time to rest your mind and observe where you're coming from, making sure that you are living from a place of balanced ease and balanced action. So there's so there's a lot of things where like automating the basics of self-care. Self-care is not about getting a pedicure. It's not a one and done. It's about the things that we do day in and day out to honor our being and to show up, to treat ourselves with the same kindness that we would want someone that we love to treat themselves with. That's so, so true. That's so good. So I, my next question was going to be the connection between self-care practices and self-respect, but you kind of already nailed that one. <laughs> but we we don't always think of that as self-respect. That like, I love what you said about this is not, you know, getting a pedicure isn't, or a massage or whatever, <laughs> isn't just a one and done thing. Like every day, we need to honor our bodies every single day. And I don't think a lot of people think of that as self-respect per se. They're not honoring their bodies and they're not putting their bodies first. We say you got to take care of yourself so you can take care of your patients. But as providers like myself, we don't really, do we really do that? <laughs> I mean, well, it's it's like, because you can get away with not doing it for, for a very long time. Sure. Then suddenly you have the lab test to prove that things are wildly awry. And right. it's one of those things where that in Chinese medicine, the other thing too, is that we can see things coming before they actually manifest. We can take someone's pulse and sense an imbalance before it shows up. We can look at the signs and symptoms that are going to affect a particular organ system and see if we don't address this, it's going to get worse. You know, so so being able to like the most potent force in life that we have to work with is what we do with our time, right? What we do each and every day makes so much more of a difference than what any practitioner of any 
Stripe is going to be able to do for you in an office. It's the kind of thing where that what we are doing, how we take care of ourselves. If some guy were to be standing behind you while you were working, let's say you're trying to finish some chart notes, you're trying to write an email, you're trying to do something. It's 11 o'clock at night. You're exhausted. Your neck hurts. Your body is screaming at you to get up, to rub your neck and go to bed and drink some water. And, and you're sitting there pushing yourself to do more, right? Pushing yourself to, to override the body's wisdom. If it were an external person, if it were somebody saying like, are you kidding me? You're not allowed to rest until you finish that. Stephanie, stay there, you know, stay sitting there, stay uncomfortable, deal with the pain, push past it, deal with your exhaustion. Who do you think you are? You'd probably stand up for yourself, right? You'd probably tell that person off. You'd probably be like, are you kidding me? Because that's the self-respecting thing to do, right? Is to stand up for yourself. And so yet if the bullies in our own head, pushing ourselves to out, you know, to go beyond what the body's willing to do, what your soul, what your heart is willing to do, you know, is staying in a situation that isn't really feeding you, you know, like that's another way of embodying self-respect means taking that seriously and making a plan to change your circumstances. You may likely have heard me talk about one of my favorite products in several episodes called Adrenal Calm. It contains a unique blend of botanicals and nutrients that support the stress response, particularly promoting cortisol balance. Specifically, Adrenal Calm includes a blend of adaptogenic botanicals and nutrients formulated to counteract the effects of daily stress and support healthy energy levels. It also contains phosphatidylserine and L-theanine, both of which reduce that half-life of cortisol or, in other words, calm adrenaline. I love using this in the afternoon if I've had a stressful workday or before public speaking. It can also be taken on a daily basis as many of us have more daily stress now than ever before. If you're interested in learning more about adaptogenic herbs, read Chapter 6 of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And check out our product guide info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash adrenal hyphen calm. To get 10% off adrenal calm or L-theanine, use code calm at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. So you're interested in not only helping people manage stress, but evolve their consciousness with the principles of Chinese medicine. So what is being chronically stressed or why I should say, why does being chronically stressed hold us back from our personal evolution and how can Chinese medicine help? First of all, stress, like if we think about what that does to the body, right? We all have an experience of stress and I'm sure you've talked plenty about the HPA access on your show. And, you know, like most people know what it's like to go into fight, flight, freeze and that kind of thing. But if we are in a constant state of stress, we are in a contracted state, right? We are in a state where we don't believe that the world is safe. And then we are running from, since the brain likes efficiency, the brain is going to default to old patterns of thinking and not to mention the fact that stress is just exhausting, right? It, so it pulls us into our patterns of safety and it, it makes us not able to be in our, our full humanity and our full capacity to be open, to be present, to be aware. Because really your, your focus narrows to just what you believe you need to do to survive survive. So in a contracted stressed state, we are missing the opportunity to play with all the other tools in our toolbox to, you know, to be able to, like, for example, if you run through the world as an overachiever, as someone who is, whose solution is to do more, to push, to be young addicted, 
and you're stressed, that's your go-to is to just keep doing that, then not only are you going to get exhausted or you're going to develop some sort of health problem related to, you know, like for example, that it's liver energy, wood energy is upward rising. So energy rising to the head is going to be like migraines or in a catastrophic situation, a stroke, right? But the energy of upward and outward, you know, this kind of energy, chronic headaches, chronic neck and shoulder pain, chronic jaw pain could be irregular menstrual cycle, irregular digestion and elimination because all the energy is moving upward instead of circulating and unfolding in a relaxed way. So being constantly stressed, it's like we're going to have these symptoms, first of all, that break us down. But attitudinally, we're also going to stay stuck with the same really clinging to the same survival strategies as opposed to like, oh, right. Like actually it's honoring my full humanity to not just be an exaggeration of this wood element. You know, like there's other elements that could be more like an earth element or a water element or a metal element or a fire element. I was going to say, list off all those elements too. Those would be the ones I guess. List all those elements real quick for just for the listeners who... Sure. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, every organ system, every emotion, every sense organ, there's a taste, there's a smell, all of these things that go along with a different one of these five elements. So again, that refracting the light through the prism, we go from seeing white light to seeing all the colors, right? That all of this is just different kinds of energy. So we can think about water element, kidney and bladder, Wood element is liver and gallbladder. Fire element is going to be heart and small intestine, along with the heart protector and something called the triple warmer. The earth element is going to be spleen and stomach. The metal element is going to be lungs and large intestine. And each of these have qualities as well as tendencies in both the physiology as well as in the psyche. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So specifically since I see a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women in midlife, how can Chinese medicine support women going through midlife, going through menopause? Oh my gosh, so many ways. <laughs> um, so many ways. So I actually just did a whole episode on this um, recently on my show. Typically when we think about hormones reorganizing themselves, this is the realm of kidney yin and kidney yang. So when there's not enough yin, right? Like the yin is the cooling, the moistening, the soothing, that what starts to happen is we get hot flashes, we get night sweats, we get insomnia, right? We get anxious because there's not enough coolant, right? We need water to calm the fire of the heart. We need the we need there to be enough yin for us to stay asleep all night long instead of bouncing up into activity. There needs to be enough coolant in the system. The yin, the unctuous, the the juicy, the oily, the the moistening, that that which allows us to be flexible. That's yin. So that's typically that's what I see with a lot of my perimenopausal and menopausal patients is a lot of yin deficiency. Yang deficiency would be more like the fatigue the weight gain, potentially brain fog, you know, like that kind of not enough of that energy. And the two in kidney and in kidney yang support each other. And of course, menopausal symptoms are all made worse by stress, right? It's anytime we're stressed out, anytime we're going into fight or flight, we're depleting that well of the kidney energy, that kidney and in kidney yang, because it's an expensive thing to be stressed out all the time. It's hormonally very, very expensive. So the cortisol, the DHEA, all the things that the cascade of hormones that happen to take us out of emergency mode and back into parasympathetic. So first of all, just getting acupuncture downshifts us into parasympathetic. But more importantly, I think Chinese, Chinese herbal medicine is phenomenal for 
perimenopausal symptoms. And more women should know that. Things like hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, anxiety, depression, weight gain, all of these things. It's not like there's one formula for every woman with that situation because there's everyone presents differently with like what comes up around perimenopause and menopause. But even the symptoms like irregular periods or heavy bleeding or you know, painful periods, there's a lot that we can do from a gynecological perspective with Chinese medicine. Again, herbal medicine and acupuncture are amazing for this kind of thing, as well as fertility. And so really it's like, even if you're not working with, with actually acupuncture, working with someone who does Chinese medicine, it usually can be super helpful with herbal medicine. And a lot of times it's just a few months of taking Chinese herbs that are mixed together in formulas so that it's not just like one thing. It's not just like, oh, black cohosh or, you know, chaste berry or, you know, something like that. There are these synergistic combinations that are designed to treat the underlying pattern that an individual with kidney indeficiency or kidney yang deficiency or liver chi stagnation or whatever, whatever the pattern is to be able to bring that person back into balance. And again, working with someone who can help you change your lifestyle so that it is a balance of yin and yang and to recognize really how to make everything that you're doing in your life be a medicinal choice instead of steering you in the wrong direction. If health is like a continuum, right? And that we can, we can always be moving in the direction of health or in the direction of imbalance. And so being able to see what those imbalances are, it may be like, you know, if you have kidney indeficiency, if you think about food as being less strong herbs, there's going to be foods that are too heating, foods that are too dispersing of that energy, whereas foods that are going to be medicine to help nourish the yin, for example. I got to go back to acupuncture here. So for for listeners who are not familiar with acupuncture, so for perimenopause or menopause, then are there certain kidney points that the acupuncture needles are used on then? Like, how does that, just to explain to the listener, how? It's tricky to know, like, again, like the mechanisms of action for acupuncture have not all been identified scientifically. Like we know, we know that the act of putting a needle in a point there's hundreds of points all over the body and those points are organized in that they're named for the channel of the internal organ that it runs through. So there is a kidney channel, a liver channel, a heart channel, a lung channel, et cetera. And points on those channels that have particular jobs to support energy in this way, to support the yin, to support the yang, to move the chi, to move the blood, to, to cool us or heat us or, and, and really kind of like pressing keys on a keyboard or striking a chord on a guitar or on a harp, the combination is more potent than the individual thing. So if I just press A on my keyboard, I, I get one result. If I'm pressing control A or control alt delete or something, I'm going to get a very different result with, with that particular combination. So yeah, with acupuncture, what's going on is that a person, a practitioner is going to select points that are designed to do a particular job to change that balance of what's going on internally. And so there absolutely are going to be points that are known to nourish the yin or move the chi or decrease the yang or et cetera. And it's all going to be very personalized. And the action of the point is through neurotransmitters is how a lot of this works. For example, getting acupuncture kicks off all sorts of endorphins. And we know that there are things happening locally in terms of that can be pain relieving or that can, but basically it's like an acupuncture needle is essentially a signal to the body about what it's going to take to recreate balance. So things like hot flashes, you know, there's plenty of studies that acupuncture, it can be really helpful in those situations. 
That was a great explanation. I I know it's very complicated, but just to to listeners, who, <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to get a lot out of this episode because you're explaining a lot very well. Speak very well about what you're an expert. In, so thank you. I want to go back to another question. We've mentioned chi several times yeah. through this episode. Part of your bio, a word that I couldn't quite pronounce, but something that my many of my patients participate is called in is called qigong. So can you explain to the yes. audience what that is? <laughs> yeah, qigong. It literally means energy exercise or energy skill and really the components of qigong so because really like it's quite the western notion to think that exercise is just like pumping iron or you know weightlifting or doing a sport right that exercise in a chinese medicine perspective is the combination of breath with movement and intention some very simple qigong could be inhaling and bringing your arms up exhaling and bringing your arms down while you're imagining energy rooting you like using your hands to direct energy in the body, right? So that's that's actually a really, if we were to do this standing up, just this action, right? This is bringing us down to our center of gravity, to our sea of chi, which is below the navel, right? So where we are coming from in martial arts, where to have power is the lower dantian, right? The space below the navel where heaven and earth are said to meet in the body, right? And so, and it's like biomedically your center of gravity. It is like being grounded and centered takes us right here into our low belly. If we're stressed out and we're breathing way up here in our chest and, you know, not being able to root and sink, our confidence is going to suffer. Our ability to to feel connected to ourselves is going to be problematic. So just a simple Qigong move is just breathing into the low belly or moving energy, you know, but with your arms, taking it down a notch, literally. So if you're stressed out, one of the uh, simplest things you can do is inhale as you bring your arms up, exhale as you bring your arms down, and just imagine all the energy in your body coming back to this place below the navel. So in other words, Qigong can be done standing, it can be done seated, it can be done walking, it can be done just moving energy with the mind, but essentially the components are the union of breath and movement and intention, kind of like Taoist yoga. It's so that just really we can think of like energy exercise, it's a practice, but it can also be, there's also something called medical Qigong where someone or a practitioner is channeling their energy into someone else, akin to something like Reiki or, you know, energy healing methods. And really, you know, we can think of acupuncture that the practitioner is using their energy and their intention through the needle to affect change in a person's body. I think Qigong is one of the most powerful self-healing things people can ever learn because it's so accessible, whereas yoga can be really daunting to people. And as we think about aging, ways of staying supple and flexible and reducing falls and increasing bone density, um, helping with quality of life, there's so many studies on and Qigong as being just super effective and helping people maintain their health throughout their lives. And so I think it's going to have its its rise and, and rival yoga's popularity, especially with baby boomers aging as, and as our population gets older, like looking for ways that, that we can be moving and breathing in a way that's like a moving meditation or a gentle exercise. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I have a few more questions for you. So what is your top longevity tip? I think really it comes down to being in touch with yourself moment to moment because really right action in the moment, that's where we find 
wisdom, right? Knowing what to do in a given situation, you've got to be present and you've got to be listening internally in order to know what the right thing is. So we therefore need to build a practice of self-awareness. We need to build a practice of checking in with ourselves on a regular basis. And so I think my top longevity tip is if you don't already stop at least a couple times a day and just check in with yourself and ask yourself, what do I need right now? That could be a really potent practice going forward because you've got wisdom within you and taking time out so that your inner teacher can speak to you is something that we need to make some conscious space for. Otherwise, that voice goes unheard. So good. That's a great longevity tip. <laughs> so tell us what your free gift is for our listeners. Well, you know, I, I've, I walked people through this super simple Qigong and people can grab that from my website. I have um, a free breathing break available and um, also that super simple Qigong available at brodywelch.com. That's B-R-O-D-I-E-W-E-L. CH.com. CH. Right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brody, for coming on the show and introducing our audience to uh, what Chinese medicine is and how it can help us and uh, helping us, those of us who are, I can't say it appropriately, is it young, young addicted? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good young job. Addicted. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, helping us realize that we likely are, <laughs> but explaining what we can do. Just simple things like checking in with ourselves, like you were just, you know, mentioning, can help bring us back into balance. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with our audience. And we'll post links to um, your website in the show notes. So thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and to get to share about this medicine that I am in love with. I encourage you to see self-care as self-respect and to set time to check in with yourself at least twice daily, like Brody said. Incorporate daily essential habits of success. Honor your body by using your time, scheduling that self-care daily. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.